If you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith, and thank you so much for your prayers for me. I just, I'm carried by them. Thank you so much. Well, this week, we're diving into part three of my four-part interview with Dan Enright about how Christians evangelized in the first century. In episode 25, we discover how the early Christians used the Psalms to demonstrate the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the prophesied Messiah. And Dan is a professor at the Bible Seminary in Houston, Texas, and he's also the community group's pastor at my church. This is definitely an inspirational and educational interview that you don't want to miss. Well, if you're blessed by this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com, or you can email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. In 2016, I wrote a book called New wineskins and the simple words of christ you can find this book on amazon and if it's a blessing to you please leave an honest review there well i'm blessed to be a part of justin falls fourth watch radio network along with bdk of omega frequency who i do a monthly q a show with called ready with an answer and you can contact bdk at omegafrequency.com And there you can send in questions for that Q&A show. In addition to our own channels, you can find each of our podcasts at fourthwatchradio.com or on the Fourth Watch Radio podcast. And finally, the early Christian quotes that I use can be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers. And you can purchase your copy for just $5 on the Scroll Publishing website. All right, well, let's dive in to part three of my interview with Dan Enright on first century evangelism. All right, so we're back again with Dan Enright, and we've been talking about how we see Jesus in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, as it's often called, or the Hebrew Bible, and we've looked at how the early Christians, you know, Paul, Peter, use the Old Testament scriptures, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, to witness to people. And then we looked at how we could start doing that in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Pentateuch. And now we're going to get into the writings, um, particularly looking at the Psalms. So, Dan, you got a Psalm that you want to point us to first? Sure. So instead of the Tanakh, we're going to be doing the Takan. Okay. Right? Yeah. Torah. So, yeah, we'll start with, with some of the writings. And one psalm that 
so clearly starts to bring clarification to the nature of this this figure that's being developed is Psalm 2. And it mm. starts out like this. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, mm. saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us, plural. So we're looking at uh, a time in the scripture, in the writings, where we see this word in, translated in English, anointed, the Hebrew word is Mashiach, mm. where we get Messiah. So we're looking at the Lord and his Mashiach. Mm. And look at the the language of this psalm, and and, it, and as we move through it, we'll think about the passages that we discussed earlier about Genesis three fifteen. Some an individual coming and crushing the head of the serpent. Genesis forty nine ten, Numbers twenty four. This regal individual, this kingly person, this ruler. And uh, in verse 4 of Psalm 2, He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king Hmm. on Zion, my holy hill. That's the theme of the psalm. I will tell the decree, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And we can get into that if you want to, but um, goes on to say, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. The nations, this is universal. We're not just talking about the nation of Israel. And the ends of the earth, your possession, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So Psalm 2 is a, a real clarification of what this individual, this anointed, this Mashiach is going to look like. And of course, when we look at terms like uh, the rod of iron, we go back to the scepter that's talked about in Genesis 49, and that kingly language that's in Numbers 24 um, with Balaam. So that that psalm is 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 really um, a, a powerful psalm in continuing to develop the identity of this individual. So Hebrews references that begotten yes issue. You're right. my son today. I've begotten you. Yes. Yeah, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, in terms of how it's interpreted from Psalm 2, what I think the New Testament writers get at is that today I have begotten you would have been the day of the resurrection mm-hmm. of Messiah. That's how it, it, it seems that the New Testament writers took that uh, verse, what they took that to mean. Yeah, that's an it's such an interesting concept. This concept of being begotten. 
As John says, he's the only begotten, full of grace and truth that Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Right? And it means to like... It's almost like proceeding forth from, in a sense. Like of the same mm-hmm. kind. You know, the only one of a kind, but that proceeds forth from. It's like monogenes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the Greek. Mm-hmm. But like in... A little bit more of the writings in uh, Proverbs 8. Solomon's talking about wisdom, right? And he says, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's wisdom talking in Proverbs 8. In verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old, before the works. The Lord possessed, possessed me, this wisdom character. It says, from everlasting, I was established. So, from eternity, mm-hmm. I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. That aspect right there, that aspect of being brought forth, is very similar to like a woman giving birth and it's like so you're like part of part of God Mm -hmm. that's what he's getting at this Mm -hmm. wisdom character and the early Christians made many references to this passage now they they were kind of divided is is he talking about Jesus or is he talking about the Holy Spirit here right with wisdom but it's this begotten language is pretty neat Jesus is one go go ahead I was just going to ask you like your early church fathers yeah that's your kind of expertise. Do you? S- I don't know about expertise, but I like it a lot. You like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, do you see that developing from um, from one sense to another, or does it kind of oscillate through the centuries? In terms of, hey, do we do we look at this as referring to Jesus? Do we look at this referring to the Holy Spirit? Was there a mixture? I think there's a mixture throughout those first 300 years. Okay. Yeah, people just, I mean, it's, they're like, it's speaking of God. Which, which aspect of God are we talking about? Gotcha. You know, but like Paul makes reference to the Holy Spirit being the spirit of Jesus in Philippians. Yeah. So he talks in 2 Corinthians 3 17 now the Lord is the spirit now in one sense he is in one sense he isn't right mm-hmm. just like Jesus is one with the father but Jesus isn't the father like Jesus is Yahweh but he's not the father and so I don't know I think there's room for, for debate you yeah. know, especially in this passage in uh, Proverbs 8 about um is wisdom the logos logos sure because that's one of the points that they made like the reason for all things the divine Mm -hmm. wisdom is in one sense the logos that's what they were that's how they were arguing absolutely and john says logos is jesus so yeah it's just an interesting side point i got a little bit off track no that's cool bro i apologize no that's that's awesome that's great stuff yeah, just nerded out. I mean, it all it all relates. I think you know. Yeah. So, what what's another psalm that you wanted to get at? I think Psalm twenty two is another mm. um, 
psalm that helps us um, with identifying uh, this individual um, now described as um, the Lord's anointed. And in Psalm 22, these are, Jesus actually quoted Mm. this psalm from the cross. Yeah. Uh, Verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Um, Of course, Jesus' words were just that that very first question. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Um, But Psalm 22 is is a really interesting psalm. And if I can get to where I wanted to um, go with this. Let's see. Yeah, verse 3, you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. Um, I'll edit this little part. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Okay, yeah, let me find this. Real quick, do I just need to be quiet? No, you can do whatever you want. What was the, what was the point I wanted to bring out of this? Well, I'm gonna make a point from Justin. Justin is gonna make a point that from Psalm 22. Yeah, about hands and feet being pierced. Oh wow! Okay. And how they. They didn't recognize that. The Jews didn't recognize that because they didn't believe the king could be pierced. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going to go in a second. Okay, I'll I'll just I'll tag onto that. Well, you don't have any. I mean, you're you're bringing up. Psalm well, actually, 22. yeah, I actually wanted to. Um, where was that? that section of this am I thinking am I thinking of the right psalm here that's that's my god my god why have you forsaken me yeah hands and feet you have pierced bulls of Bashan encircle me they're dividing up my garments casting lots you know for my garments or whatever like they wag their tongues at me or what you know wag their heads at me yes it's chocked full okay so do you want to Let's see. Where was that? I could ask you, why do you think Jesus quoted Psalm 22 from the cross? Why do you think he chose to quote that? Was it just because he felt forsaken, or did he have something deeper in mind? That would be awesome. I would love to answer that question. Okay, good, because I like that kind of stuff. Okay. All right, so let me figure out how... I even brought Psalm 22 into because I was thinking of of that. Yeah, I, I think at the t- I think what happened was I brought Psalm 22 in after we talked that pre-production thing where you know I said I think I said something like man if we're not careful this could turn into like a Jewish evangelism like handbook kind of or, yeah. you know, course. Yeah, but you're like no I want to keep it I I I want to pr- present it like not just Jewish. For Jewish people, but for, so that's I think that's what I did, and I, and it was more of a of kind of a fulfillment thing of Jesus on the cross. Yeah, that in that sense. That's great. So, so how can 
like coming off Psalm 2. You just introduced Psalm 22. I just said you had another Psalm in mind, Psalm 22. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I want to look at this, you know, let me find where my place is. You already did, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. So I'll just ask you that question that I was planning on asking you, and you just roll with it. Whatever God brings to your mind, just roll with it. You okay with that? Dude, totally. I love talking about this. Okay, This particular good. psalm as it relates to Jesus yeah. on the cross. So maybe, see, I was thinking, I was trying to follow kind of this um, this path with, but maybe we can... Don't worry uh, about it. Just say, hey, want to... I'll just, just interrupt you, basically. Want to just take a special look at Psalm 22 because of what you just read or something like that. Yeah, sure. So like, yeah, just t- totally take me off track. Sure. All right. All right. So man, that that phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That question that he asked. Like I've heard so many messages on that and people saying Jesus was actually abandoned at the cross and that's why he said it. But there's so much in Psalm 22 that's pointing to the the crucifixion, like particularly like women were a lot of the song leaders in Jesus's day. Mm-hmm. And they memorized the Psalms uh, back when they were kids. If they were good Galileans, female Galileans, they would be memorizing the Psalms. And so when he's like saying, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it should have triggered that in their mind, Psalm 22. So I've got a lot of thoughts about that, just personal stuff, but why do you think Jesus chose to quote Psalm 22 from the cross, the opening line of Psalm 22 from the cross? Yeah, I totally agree. It's without a doubt, um, faithful Jews had copious amounts of scripture memorized so that you could just say one line and again you know back then the the text wasn't numbered we didn't have verse chapters verses that kind of thing yeah but you could you could say one line and immediately it would take your hearers to a certain point in the text mm. where they would immediately be um, recalling all of the text to mind yeah and my my thought is, your your question is why do I think that Jesus screamed this from the cross? Yeah. And again, we see that in Matthew twenty seven forty five through forty nine. Mark also records it fifteen thirty three through thirty seven. Um, think of the scene of the crucifixion. What's happening? in either 30 or 33 AD, whichever Mm, date you want to go with, right? Um, Think of what that scene is like. Jesus was just nailed to a cross. And think of the scene that the gospel writers paint for us. What's happening, not only with Jesus on the cross, but what's happening around him Mm -hmm. as well. Jesus knows what's happening. He knows what's happening to himself. He knows what's happening around him. So he screams this 
line from this psalm. So if you're if you put yourself at that place at that time and you're standing either at the foot of the cross, around the cross, near the cross, you hear Jesus say that, the Jewish mind is going to go back to this psalm. Mm. And how does this psalm fill out when we start reading through it? Well, there's a point uh, at verse 12 where it describes the context of the surroundings mm. of, um, of the writer of this psalm see what comes to mind for you thinking of yourself being at that event um, when Jesus was crucified starting in 22 Psalm 22 verse 12 many bulls encompass me strong bulls of Bashan surround me they open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it is melted within my breast my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of, the, of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Mm. This was written probably a thousand years yeah. before the event of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And what's being described in this psalm is exactly what's taking place yep. at the moment of the crucifixion. Jesus, I think, in, in one sense, says that, screams that from the cross to take them back to this psalm so that they could read it, think about it, think about it more so, I think, at that point, mm. and go, wow what was written in this psalm almost a millennium ago Mm. is actually taking place right now in front of our eyes. Yeah. And I think it's Jesus' one last offer of grace Hmm. to people, just like he did with Judas, sitting him in a place of honor right next to him. I think to the very end, Jesus was offering grace yeah. and forgiveness. Look, I am fulfilling this. Yeah. How else could this be unless I am who I say I am? Yeah. So in one sense, I think for sure, in my opinion, and I can't be dogmatic about it, but I think sure. Jesus up to the his dying breath yeah. was offering grace. Yeah. Man, that's that's so powerful. That's that's so good. I mean like he's like which which role do you want to play in this, you know, Caiaphas, you know, Roman mm. soldiers? Which That's side a great point. do you want to be? Do you want to be this guy fulfilling this or do you want to be on the side like toward the end of Psalm 22? Like you got all these people running to God, basically, mm. you know, it's, it's really cool. That yeah. psalm is so powerful. You know, the early Christians wrote about that psalm, Justin Martyr, again. And I'm, I'm going to keep on quoting Justin Martyr throughout this, but right on. Um, this guy had a dialogue with Trypho, a Jew. And it's an apologetic work. It's like how an early Christian would witness to a Jew. And it goes through all this stuff. He uses a lot of typological things, but he also uses prophetic uh, reasoning. Uh, in addition to like, he, he talks about how you see 
regeneration literally happening in Christians in very real ways. But I digress. Um, coming back to uh, uh, Justin, this dialogue with Trifo, he's talking about talks about the twenty twenty uh, second Psalm. He calls it the twenty first Psalm. But it's the twenty-second psalm, and so he says, <laughs> we'll "You know, they get, didn't get away with that." Yeah, I mean, this guy's working from memory. It's tough, <laughs> but um, so he says this. This twenty-second psalm refers to the suffering and to the cross in a parable of mystery, and then he quotes the psalm. He says, "They pierced my hands and feet; they counted all my bones; they considered and gazed on me; they parted." my garments among themselves and cast lots for my vesture for when they crucified him driving in the nails they pierced his hands and his feet and those who crucified him parted his garments among themselves each casting lots for what they for what he chose to have and receiving according to the decision of the lot and this very psalm you maintain talking to trifo the jew he says this very psalm you maintain does not refer to Christ, for you are in all respects blind and do not understand that no one in your nation who has been called king or Christ has ever had his hands or feet pierced while alive or has died in this mysterious fashion, to wit, by the cross, save Jesus alone. He's like, none of your possible messiah candidates had their hands and feet feet pierced Mm -hmm. on the cross except jesus jesus is it Mm. he's like but but to the jews they they wouldn't attribute this passage to the messiah they wouldn't think of the messiah having his literally having his hands and feet pierced right and yet it's this very scene in you know a thousand years before christ that moses wrote about even earlier, whether it's 250 years earlier, or 500 years earlier, when he's writing Genesis 3, where the Messiah would have his heel bruised, basically. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, an incident, something bad is going to happen to his feet. Mm-hmm. And David makes that same correlation here in Psalm 22, which you see happening a thousand years later with Jesus on the cross. Y'all, I want to encourage y'all to... Um, Again, take upon yourself the challenge to be able to witness to people out of the Old Testament. Reason, reason with people from it. It's powerful, guys. And pray for your Jewish brothers and sisters too. If you know someone at your work or in your neighborhood that's Jewish, start praying for them and asking God for opportunity to use you like he did Paul to open up people's minds to the scriptures and believe in God's grace. All right, we're going to be back with episode four of this series uh, two weeks from now. All right, thanks so much, Dan. Searched me and you know me when I sit and when I rise. You're aware of every thought before it comes to mind. You know just the way to love.
me exactly what I need So why should I take one more step without you leading me? Oh, how precious are your thoughts to me, Lord, they're wonderful Like your ways, they're so much high Like your creation, beautiful So train my feet to follow in your perfect will Jesus, that is my cry That is my cry That fills my life I am thirsty for you In this land that's so, so dry I'd be foolish not to follow So you help me abide Because your plans are so much greater Lord than mine Oh how precious are your thoughts To me Lord they're wonderful like your ways, there's so much higher Like your creation, beautiful So train my feet to follow In your perfect will Jesus, that is my cry That is my cry Precious are your thoughts To me, Lord, they're wonderful Like your ways, they're so much higher Like your creation, beautiful So train my feet to follow In your perfect will Jesus, that is my cry That is my cry